Hi folks! Unlike last week, I do not have any content warnings this week. But we do still have pets. Oh god, yes. And those pets have a tendency to interrupt. Although Orange Cat has decided now that uh, it is starting to get colder here, that she will sleep in the self-heating cat bed next to my desk. Mm. The one Gur used to sleep in. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, she's been very happy there. Um, the fact that we have cats, hello, orange cat. We were just talking about Funny you. Funny meeting you here. Um, it means that we also swear a lot. Yeah, the one leads inevitably to the other. It, yeah, pretty much. Although not always, just most of the time. So, hi folks. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 226. We have had a weekend and a week. Like, I mean, it hasn't been a bad week. Yeah. But it's, yes, we had a we had we we had a vacationy thing. We had a vacationy thing. I didn't get as much rest as I had anticipated because I forgot the med that lets me sleep and not sit up all night with my legs moving of their own volition. Um, restless leg syndrome is not a joke, folks. Um, but uh, other yeah, than the that, the drug you're on is actually an anti Parkinson's med, isn't it? Yes, and I take it and about. Two and a half to three hours later, I'm down. And also, my legs do not feel the need to just twitch and jiggle like they actually are doing right now. Um, but that's fairly common after a meal. Just Yes, but the point is that this weekend yes. uh, we went up to the mountains and you did not sleep. And I did not sleep. Uh, I forgot my bed. And so, I mean, I slept some on Saturday night, according to my... According to monitor, you got 30 minutes, that as was, I recall, yes. That was Sunday night. Oh, or no, yeah. you're right, that, that was Saturday night. It was Friday night, I got about five hours. Yeah. Um, either way, that, that wasn't very much sleep. Um, and so Sunday was an interesting drive home. Oh, yeah. But Saturday night, on the other hand, was amazing because I'd gone up for a concert and did that. And it was everything I had hoped it would be. And basically what I'd been waiting the last year for since they had a year and a half because they had scheduled the concert for last March. It got postponed, then canceled and then refunded. And I had to rebuy my tickets and there was a whole thing, and totally worth it. Um, the energy in the room was just great. A lot of people who were there for their first ever um, concert by this artist. It was in this moment with uh, co-headlining Black Veil Brides and special guest Dead. Um, my first time seeing Black Veil Brides, I'd been waiting like 13 years for the opportunity to see them. <laughs> um, it's not as big as my opportunity as when I get to see Rage Against the Machine next summer, which, frankly, I never thought I'd be able to do. So, you know, one of those things. Um, but no, I mean, the energy in the room was amazing. The people were just great. Not everybody was great about mask discipline, but we were in Western North Carolina, and I didn't really expect that. What are you staring at? A uh, tiny orange. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and we, we got to hang around Cherokee, North Carolina and just sort of poke at things and it was, yeah, I did. It was nice. went to some very cool native art galleries oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. It was good. 
that was so uh, before that, you know, I'm working on cleaning some things up at work, uh, finalizing some other things before uh, I guess I change teams in a bit. Uh, so, and of course, the ever present we are now heading into, and we talked, and Dino and I talked about this all last week. Um, heading into uh, the first holiday of the American holiday season, as it were. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. So, yeah, that's that's all kind of happening. Um, and I got a whole bunch of interviews done uh, before and that sort of thing. So, hey, uh, what about you? I'm, uh, uh, it looks like I'm finishing up this book that I think I thought was a novella. Uh, it now may be a short novel, but uh, it stayed a novella for a really long time. And if it's a short novel, it's going to come in at like probably less than 50,000 words, so which is pretty impressive. Which is still like just over the line. In, oh, yeah, novella. yeah, novellas yeah. are anything under 40,000. I will probably still sell it as a novella because people expect books to be longer. And yeah. so I will charge novella prices because... Uh, I, I don't want people to go away feeling, you know, like they got less book. Uh, and, you're not, and you're not going to be titling it, you know, whatever a novel. No, no. Okay. I, it, it might be whatever a novella, but uh, <laughs> just because of, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, thinky thing. Um, yeah. Is this the one that you're going to force me to read later tonight? It's literally, I've emailed it to your Kindle. Oh, well, I see. Yeah. And I've gotten up to, like, the the... Big sort of scary thing is, or, or the revelations have hit, and now I'm like, okay, I can sort of end it here with fire, or I could keep going and do a little bit more of, like, ending things, a more dramatic ending with fire. More dramatic ending with so yeah, you you and, can do a less dramatic ending with fire. Yes. Okay. I can. I, I can, mean, but it's going to end with fire, is what you're saying. I don't know any other way to end it. Oh, okay. Uh, and and the problem is that there are recurring themes in in my books, and I'm sad. I, I worry that uh, with my horror novels, fire is becoming one of them. Like uh, when in doubt, just burn it all down. Is honestly how uh, how. Uh, no spoilers, but that's kind of how the Twisted Ones ends, and, uh, yeah. that is, uh, how I, how this did, one kind of ends. I was going and, to say, you did not end Hollow Places. With no, Hollow Places doesn't end with fire. Yes. Uh, yeah. What Moves the Dead has fire, but that's not really what ends it. Oh, boy, no. Uh, um, the, not, the that's fire's, not a spoiler. Uh, yeah, the fire's more of a precursor. Yeah, um, yeah. But still, you know, I, I'm like, okay, out of like five horror novels, we have three that involve fire and two where end with fire. But on the other hand, what are you going to do when you're low tech and, uh, right. you know, you have to destroy a whole bunch of possessed cropland? So there you go. Anyway, anyway, if I'm lucky, I may actually get this out the door. Like, I would love to just publish this in like January. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we'll see. So this is going to be another self-pub? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Yay. Also, uh, on my other recurring theme, woman alone in house with dog is, uh, is like. Yeah. 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 Is, um, now is this new one a paladin book? No, no. This oh. is, this is a straight up horror novel, uh, uh, sort of alternate universe. There are some hints it's actually set in the same world as the Hidden Almanac. But, oh, uh, well, but then. does not involve any of the characters. Well, of it's just not. there are references to the city, and there's a couple of places referenced that exist in the Hidden Almanac world. So, I the Hidden Almanac world is a perfect setting for a horror novel, though. Yes, that's yes. true. And um, this is sort of like 1800s kind of kind of right, setting. Right. So yeah, yeah, um, cool. So yeah. yeah, there's there's what I have to look forward to after uh, recording. And, you know, the chores we have to do around the house is uh, having her hover over me. Have you read it yet? Have you read it yet? You sneezed. Why did you sneeze? You did laughed. Some... What was the funny bit? What was the funny bit? Right. What, what made you sneeze in the book? You just sighed. Are you sighing because the cat is currently stepping on you? Or are you sighing because of the book? Yeah, no. You are enormously patient with, uh, with writer brain, and I appreciate that a lot. And I have not yet had to enact my, I will go read this in the car and lock all the doors. Yes, and I'm glad of that too, because I would feel bad about that. Although part of me wants to know if then you would be sitting on the hood with a flashlight, staring in, watching my face for expressions. Let's, uh, let's just never put it to the test and no one will have to find out. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fair. Yes. Yeah, um, I will say uh, one thing that came in last week that's been kind of nice is I've got a newer prototype of the planner page I've been uh, collaborating with Reagan Earl on, and it has been sized for the Remarkable 2, which is a device I picked up because one of my coworkers had a discount code. And I gotta say, in terms of, like, there are a lot of write-on devices... And so far, the Remarkable is the one that I haven't just been like, this thing is crap and I'm going back to paper or it doesn't feel right or whatever it is that makes me abandon all of them after about a week. Um, it's got a great screen. Uh, my recommendation is don't buy their fancy stylus because... Their stylus is good, not gonna lie, but you can pick up some third-party ones. I have one here from Lamy that uses the same, like, stylus tip as the one that Remarkable sends you, and so it works just like the Remarkable one. Um, it's pretty slick. And, uh, and so far, this thing is getting a, an absolute wow kind of review from me. Uh, I'll link in, they're not inexpensive just putting that out there but um i i don't know man i'm just i'm really impressed with this device impressed enough that i use it every day cool like it goes with me like i'll sit in bed or not in bed i'll sit in my chair upstairs and i'll you know jot things down or i'll pre-plan my week or i'll you know experiment with a new template it's and then I'll put it down so I can play games on my iPad. Um, <laughs> but I may, and that may be part of the appeal is it is a, it is literally a digital notebook. It is designed around that and nothing else. And so they put all of that effort into making it as perfect for writing 
as it can be. And it's just, it's nice. It's nice. I, I feel no remorse on spending the money because it's really good. Um, I'll, I'll link, and if I can find an affiliate link or, or a link with a discount code or something, I'll put that in there. Um, so they don't sponsor the podcast. This is something I bought on my own and it may be one of my better gadget investments because so far it's outlasted everything, but basically my phone, my watch and my iPad. There we go. There you go. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I just as a general update, I, I have been continuing to do the weightlifting with the personal trainer. Yeah, you're weightlifting right now. Uh, well, not like... I mean, you're in between things. <laughs> yes, but, but when, yeah. when you're talking and I have to do something instead of fidgeting, I am lifting these five-pound weights. Uh, do I need to worry that at some point you're just going to be like, do you even lift, bro? I don't think so, because okay. let's face it, once you're a woman over 40, unless you start taking like steroids or something, you are just not going to bulk up for shit. That's fair. Like, That's fair, uh, yeah. uh, paramenopausal women do not put on muscle mass in any way that you're going to observe. <laughs> that's that's fair, yes. yes. Uh, like, I feel like, certainly, I feel like my, my forearms are a lot harder than they were. They are firmer, yes. But uh, uh, my biceps make it a little bit bigger, but no, I am I am not going to look like a bodybuilder. It's... Nature is uh, nature is done with that, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to keep muscle mass and even put on a little muscle mass, so that uh, because the the thing basically that keeps you when you're the, the one of the greatest uh, determining factors of health in age is how much muscle you have. Right. Yeah. So uh, right. it's yeah. So yes, and uh, it's been cool. He he's been really good about. Um, organizing the the things for i will pick up a weight and do it while i am you know waiting wondering what to do with to my talk. hands or yeah. whatever uh or waiting for something in the microwave to to finish uh yeah there are resistance bands everywhere in the house right now there are and uh and but he's and at one point he was like okay uh he tried to do more um sets which is, you know, so right. I, at the moment I'm doing like, uh, you know, four or five uh, to seven sets of various things. And that didn't work because I just ran out of time in the week. I was like, and yeah, I'm, I was yeah. like, I, I feel like I'm not, I, I'm just running out of time to do all of these. Uh, so we went to more repetitions instead. So I'm still only doing four or five sets, but instead of, you know, lift the weight five times it's now lifted seven times kind right. of thing and yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. worked a lot better because the 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 hurdle to overcome with me and the adhd is the starting to begin with right so it's uh, uh a you know once i have started yes i will do two more per you know set and that that's much better than you have to start two more times yeah. right right uh, and and yeah. you can you can work in that that habit. Um, yeah, like I I I do push ups on the dresser in the evening fairly regularly. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, stuff like that, and it's it's fine. It's it's like thirty seconds to a minute out of my day repeatedly, and sort of integrating it as my fidget habit has been uh, mm -hmm. been worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if I am measurably that much stronger, but I I can do sit-ups again. Yeah. And and what I'm finding is I just need to rock out for 30 minutes once a day because every time I go to a concert, the exercise ring on my watch just automatically fills itself just over the course of the concert. And so that's telling me that maybe, you know, I mean, you, the thing is that setting aside 30 minutes for you is hard, but you could just be like, I need to take five minutes, crank, you know, uh, yeah. doll skin or whatever, rock out for five <laughs> minutes. And even that would be better than like not doing anything, right. just the getting moving. You don't have to like, you know, because uh, I think people, this is one of those perfect, let the perfect be the enemy of the good things where people yeah. are like, I have to go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes. And it's like, okay, I'm never going to do that. Like, there's right. no world where I am ever going to go be like, no, I'm going to go work out for 30 minutes. No, but I will go pick up the resistance band that's sitting right there and do, like, 10 stretches. I mean, I can, yeah, headbanging for, or whatever, for five minutes, rocking the fuck out for five minutes is really easy. Yes, and um, that, whereas yeah. I, I don't think you could schedule 30 minutes in your current schedule, but I think you could just be like, all right, uh, it's time to visit the chickens. I will take five minutes of that and rock out. Yes, yeah. Or I can also spend five minutes trying to chase a chicken to pick them up. That that also uh, yeah. that is a lot of um, exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Lorge moves so fast on that gimpy leg. It's it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's an old chicken who yeah. with a bad leg, and he can still like move. So. Yes, he 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 almost runs like an emu though, <laughs> because it was because he he's a little off balance and his neck starts to undulate. Un Undulate? Undulate. Undulate. Yes, yes. Thank you. My, my mouth yeah, is Yeah, I undulate. Now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm doing it too now. But anyway, it's yes. It's a thing. Yeah. I, I think the whole thing with any kind of exercise is just, no, don't set yourself up to fail by being like, I have to work out at the gym for an hour five times a week. Fuck it. None of us are going to do that. Yes. Just, yeah. just like do a thing for five minutes. And if you didn't get your five minutes that day, Whatever, it was five minutes. Do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing I'm reminded of yes. um, before we head to the interview is a pre-order I made several months ago came in this week. Mm -hmm. uh, it is my Japanese stationery advent calendar. I ordered it from a pen store in England. <laughs> Um, Truly, we live in a global economy. And uh, I was I was starting to get a little worried that it wasn't going to show up before Advent season um, started, uh, which is oh god, it's in two. It's don't two weeks. do the math. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you'll be hearing reviews. I think of very stationary products. Um, I didn't want to announce or like post a link when I ordered it because I didn't know if or when it was going to show up. So right because um, you know the world. But next year. Next year, if this one's good, uh, next year will be, will be all about it. Thinking of things that are next year, um, I had a chance to sit down, haha, <laughs> you'll, you'll understand in a minute, and talk to Sean Knitter, who is a uh, program manager over at Evil Hat Games and also one of the people who puts on Big Bad Con every year. Cool. Uh, this year they did it virtually, and so I was able to attend for the first time ever. Next year, they will be doing it in person, and I'm really hoping to attend because it was such a great experience. And everyone I've talked to so far has just 
talked loads about how wonderful the in-person event is. And so um, I'm going to have that talk I did with Sean before the con, right after this. Woo! Here today with Sean, and I'm excited about this um, because I've been trying to get um, someone like Sean on the show for a while. Because Sean, you're a game designer, right? I am. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. So can 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 you introduce yourself and do a hell of a lot better job than I just did? Uh, sure, happy to. <laughs> uh, hi all, I'm Sean Nittner. I use he and him uh, pronouns. I'm really excited to be on the show to talk about productivity. It's something that I uh, I think about a lot. I am primarily probably known as the director of projects for Evil Hat. I project manage about a dozen or so projects at any given time and uh, things that we have announced, things that we are yet to announce. And I'm in normal contact with the, the creators, the editors, the proofreaders, the artists, etc. I also uh, am a game designer myself. I uh, just released um, Agon with John Harper. We co-authored uh, this second edition of it, and uh, that is a very fun game of, of, uh, of epic adventure in uh, the story of Greek heroes lost at sea and punished by the gods for their hubris, or maybe just because of the gods' are whim, the gods' whims. I, I, I can't say that uh, the gods are fair. Uh, and uh, I also am the steward of Big Bad Con. It's a uh, gaming convention in uh, Oakland, California, uh, that we focus really on uh, presenting um, a lot of indie games for play. We uh, have a huge focus on uh, elevating marginalized voices in terms of bringing people to the con with the scholarship, with our POC meet and greet, with a POC welcoming dinner, with uh, the the policies that we, we've written. We really try to uh, make the, the con as accessible as possible. We haven't had it in person since 2019 because of uh, the panorama, but we are uh, but we are having Big Bad online this year, October uh, 23rd and 24th, and it's going to be 24 hours of amazing panels. It's going to be a free event, but uh, the 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 caliber of the panels are the same that you would find at a professional industry event like XOXOCon or GDC. Um, we did a fundraising campaign so that we could pay up all of our speakers, um, and and everyone there is, and, the, and that was very successful. We've more than hit our goal, so really happy to share this with everybody. Um, and then finally, my day job is I work as a system administrator for Cal Performances, which is a performing arts department at UC Berkeley. I make sure the servers go. Uh, yeah, that's that's me. I've got a couple other things that I I dabble into, but that's my those are my big my big three. I, I actually have a friend who works over in the nuclear safety department of UC Berkeley, so 
Um, awesome. And well, uh, thanks for keeping the nuclear parts of UC Berkeley safe. Yes, I, I appreciate. I will, that. I, will, I will pass that along when I next I talk to him. Yeah, and uh, and as a, um, uh, a site reliability engineer myself, I understand some of those challenges quite a lot. Um, yeah. And hello, Orange Cat. Yes, you are here to interrupt, just as I've gotten on a video call. That's my girl. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Big Bad Con. Uh, for the people who are listening at home, I will be telling you all about it probably two episodes ago after I've attended, uh, because we're doing this before Big Bad Con. Um, and so I am, I'm excited, because... Uh, Thank you. I'm glad to hear. I've got... Um, uh, when I saw there was literally a panel on productivity for game designers, I'm I'm much more of the game player, the GM guy, but I'm like, no, I have to go now. I have to go. This is like right in. The I right mean, it's, it's, yeah. it seems like it's it's in your bailiwick, right? Yeah, it seems exactly. like this is uh, designed for you, Kevin. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you have all of this stuff going on. Um, how do you stay productive and keep all that organized? Well, I thankfully have a, uh, I thankfully have a, a awareness of my own uh, sort of uh, depressive and and productive cycles. And uh, maybe this is not the healthiest thing in the world, but I found that when I stay busy, I, I love work. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I really, I was, I was raised. I started my first job when I was uh, 12 and a half because that was the youngest you could work with a worker's permit for, for your family. And um, I, both, both my parents really, really valued like work as uh, not, not work as like, here's how you make money, but work as like, here's how you do good in the world. And here's how you find satisfaction. And they both were, uh, they both were small business owners. They both ran their own companies and they felt very strongly about um, choosing something that you really cared about. Now they didn't necessarily do the thing that they cared about, but they were able to align the work that they did with that in some way. So my dad had a deli for instance, and um, he didn't really care about delis that much, but he did really like to eat. Uh, I mean, he liked to eat good food and, and he, uh, it was the right tempo and the right speed for him. And it satisfied him not so much in the, the, like he could have been selling, he could have been selling sandwiches or widgets that wouldn't really matter to him, mm -hmm. but the speed of the tempo, he loved meeting the customers. He loved, uh, the, 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 the quickness that everything happened with. He's a, he was a kind of guy who liked to run around a lot. And so, oh, well, yeah. A restaurant was a really satisfying uh, profession for him. My mother ran a antiques and interior store, and she absolutely she's an interior designer. She loves doing it. She's still forty five years later is doing it, although now she's just running it uh, privately and she doesn't have a storefront anymore. But right, right. Um, they they really did even when they hated their work, they loved their work, and that really I'm really grateful for work that I that I care about. And so that helps a lot because when I'm doing things that I really care about, it fills me with a sense of satisfaction and a sense of uh, appreciation for the world around me and, and, and the good work that other people are doing that doesn't burn me out or make me bitter. Uh, when I do work I hate, which I have done many times in my life, you know, that you can only maintain for so long. Uh, 
So I think that's a really long-winded way of saying I love my job. <laughs> At least most of the time, yeah. So that and that that just keeps you you really motivated, right? It does. It does. I mean, Cal Performances, for instance, um, is a job that I have. I have to make sure everything is working, and a lot of it is something that I can sort of check in on, and and I'm not at nose to the grindstone all the time. Right. But Big Bad and Evil Hat are both much more generative work. Uh, oh. I spend a lot, a lot of time writing up things or checking Gantt charts or just really diving in. And thankfully, also, that is the work that I really care about. You know, we just released yeah. Thirsty Sword Lesbians, and we had over 8,000 backers to uh, that product. Talking one um, right here. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, I've been working, I've been, I had played it. I played in one of the very first playtests of it with April because she happens to live, uh, well, used to live five minutes away from me. Now lives 15 minutes away from me. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I played an early game with April and I was really excited. And so I've, I've seen this game for years and years and years and just the ability to like, I knew it was amazing and just the ability to see the, see it, the art being made and the book coming out. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really rewarding experience. Uh, you know, I get I get to see I'm not just turning knob, not just turning widgets. I I get to see the actual results of it, not just in the game public coming out, but in watching people play actual play of it and celebrating mm-hmm. the creator, sending big checks to the creator. That's nice. Um, it's it's a really uh, virtuous circle in that way. Yeah, yeah. So how do you track all that? I mean, you know, what's your toolkit look like? My toolkit is pretty varied. Um, I use a combination of the following for myself uh, to keep my keep myself reminded of things I need to do uh, that are time sensitive. I use Google Calendar like you wouldn't believe. Google Calendar is my love language. If we're going to spend time together, if we're going to do something, there's a calendar event for it. You know, you sent me a calendar invite, but before you had sent me a calendar invite, I already made a calendar you know, I already put a calendar entry to hold for this space because I didn't want to give it up to anyone else. Right. I, every day I have, you know, my calendar looks like a minefield, but <laughs> it keeps me, uh, it keeps me reminded of what I need to do personally. And then for the projects that I'm working on, um, I use a, a bunch of different tools. The, the, probably the biggest, most project managery kind of like, identifiable tool is a combination of Asana and Instagant. Asana is a free uh, project management tool out there. Um, uh, well, it's free up to a certain point and I, and I don't have to, I don't have to exceed the, the free capacity of it. Right, right. Um, but Asana, unless you get the premium version, which is fairly expensive, doesn't include dependencies. And for me, yeah. the dependency means, you know, if writing is going to take two weeks and editing is going to take two weeks, then I need something that says, well, if writing ran a week late, now the editing is pushed back by that week. And now the proofing that was going to follow the editing is pushed back. And now the art that was going to follow that is pushed back. And I can get the whole sense of a, an entire project uh, and I can link all of the, the dependent tasks. Yeah, and yeah. Instagram is a, it's not free, but it's very inexpensive. I think it's like seven bucks a month for one user or five bucks a month if you have per user, if you have more than one. So, you know, for a couple bucks a month, having a tool that tracks literally all of my projects mm-hmm. 
and creates a dependency and gives me this glorious Gantt chart uh, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, however, I don't actually find that it's really readable to other people. Like I, for many years, I would send somebody a Gantt chart and go, here's, here's the project plan. And they would just like not respond. We're just like, what? It's like, oh, right. It's this giant, ugly document. So for my external communication, I have a set of um, weekly check-ins that I send in every send out every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. And I've used a couple different tools for that. I used to use Boomerang, but I found it was really glitchy. Uh, then I used a tool called Mail Conductor, but it stopped. It stopped. Uh, Mail Conductor stopped keeping up with Google's. Oh, wow. Uh, security yeah, requirement? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they just Google updated their API and mail conductor just sort of shrugged and went, I guess we won't exist anymore. So that was a shame. But the nice thing is that mail conductor sort of trained me on how to do it myself. And mm -hmm. so I just literally before this call, I was scheduling my check ins and I write them all up on Monday. I have a Google Calendar reminder mm -hmm. to tell me to, to do the check in on Monday and I I prep all the emails and then they all go out Tuesday morning at eight o'clock with using a scheduled email through Gmail. Right. Most of my services that I use are free or very low cost. I, I'm a big fan of finding tools that are out there that anybody can use. Yeah, um, I just keep looking at, at everybody who, who is like, well, I use Google Calendar because it's so easy and I use Gmail and I keep thinking to myself, right now, like it's like, everybody is just like Google Calendar is like the linchpin of so many people's productivity. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I schedule so many meetings, and I, I, and I have so many reminders for myself. And a task list, I'll get into task lists in a second, but a task list is great when it is not time sensitive. But it's right. really, there's so much of what I do that's time sensitive. I mean, I even have calendar invites to remind other people of things, you know? Like, at this point... Check back in uh, with so and so if they haven't responded to you, and if they've already responded, then great. But if they haven't, you know, then I will use that as a reminder to, to follow up with them. But and that's in terms of software suites. Mm -hmm. That's my primary bailiwick. I might be forgetting something, but that's that's what I use day to day. Yeah. Um, I also use Trello for a few. Uh, I like Kanban boards. Again, when things aren't really time sensitive. So, for instance, we use Trello for the safety reports at Big Bad Cons. So when someone submits a safety report, uh, it goes into Trello boards. The entire safety team can see it. And then uh, every time any of us take any action, we comment on the board so that we all can see everything we've done. It keeps us accountable for everything we've done or not done. And then we move the report through various stages of report submitted, report investigated, report action taken, report like uh, closed and reviewed. And so we move it in those spaces. And and for that limited sort of, we know the predictable path something will follow, Kanbans mm -hmm. work for me. I find that for like product development, for Evil Hat, Kanbans are useless because I would need as many states as there are things that can happen. You know, writing, <laughs> back to editing, back to, like I just, second drafts, I just need, so many categories that it would quickly become meaningless. So, uh, but you know, I'm, I know a lot of people who, who love Kanban formats and, and, and if I'm imagining if people have been listening to the show, they're probably familiar with it, but Kanban is essentially just a, a, a 
it's like a post-it wall where you put a category of like, you know, you write your categories that, you know, it, it could be like writing, editing, proofing, layout, printing, and then you have a little post-it note and you move it from those various states and you add notes to that post-it. And in this case, right. it's a digital version of that. But Yeah. The, the classic is, um, since I do a lot of agile work or agile-ish work, right? It's uh, mm -hmm. the classic is, you know, you've got the backlog, uh, the to-do, doing, done. Yeah. Right. Just the, just those four simple in the backlogs. Everything that isn't like currently planned work. Um, right. It always looks terrible. It's always gigantic. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that, that's sort of one of my issues. And so for me, uh, because because backlogs can become so huge and overwhelming yeah. and daunting, um, I started bullet journaling in 2018, and it's been a great process for me to. Uh, find ways to keep a backlog without it being in my face all the time. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you know you've got to do something in a year, you can put that on your year list, but not on the month list. And when you start the month, you can look at it and go, am I going to do that this month? And if you are, you can put it on the month list. And then when you get to your week list, you can look at your month list and say, am I going to tackle that this week? And if you are, then you put it on the week list. Now, maybe you said to yourself, I will do that. I will tackle that project on this week. Uh, and you don't, and that's fine. You just put it on the next week list or yeah, yeah. you just skip it because you know that next time when the next week comes up, you're going to look at your month list and go, that was on there. And when the next month comes up, you're going to look at your year list. And so it's a way for me to engage with those daunting backlog tasks in a way that is not, uh, so overwhelming. Now that yeah, said, yeah. I was bullet journaling amazingly consistently pretty much every month through March of 2020. And then it just stopped. It's almost <laughs> as if the world turned upside down. Oh, I don't know why that might be. Yeah. yeah you it, it's the really, first or last person to tell me that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really uncanny just how like immediate it was. It wasn't like, Oh, it withered on the vine. No, it just stopped. And when I got back into it, I definitely found that, I've been a lot more relaxed with myself regarding that my sort of policy because it was that strict policy that also made it be too much for me. So now it's like, well, sometimes I use it for task lists and sometimes I use it, sometimes I do my monthly reports and sometimes I just jot down notes in it and I still index it. Indexing is still the key so I can find things later, but it's yeah. not nearly as strict as I used to be and that's worked just fine. That's been okay. Some days I use it, some days I don't. I think that bullet journals are really meant to be a tool when they're useful mm -hmm. and an artifact, a pretty artifact when they're not. Yeah. My, my big thing right now is um, I have a piece of software that almost perfectly replicates my personal gold standard of planners, the Franklin Covey method. Mm. Um, nice. uh, it's Mac only, unfortunately. Um, but um, uh it's been really valuable to go back into those habits of, okay, let's do my weekly review. Let's, let's look at, you know, my morning, sort of my morning wake up and see what it is that I have to do today. What I got done yesterday. That's always a great feeling going through that. I did this yesterday. All right. Next kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and just pre-planning a lot of like, like you do, you know, okay, this is something that am I going to get it done this week? No. Um, yeah. Or I am, uh, but then it throws you in the Eisenhower matrix to say, how important is it really? 
And yeah. you may find yourself, like, I found a couple things where I'm like, that is not very important, and I end up shoving it into the, uh, what is it, the the D quadrant, the not important, not urgent. Right. And it's like, that's the one where it's like, maybe someone else can do that. Maybe no one needs to do that at all. Maybe no one needs to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's been really useful, especially with everything. Yeah, I I, th- I think I think looking at something you've been putting off for a long time and recognizing like maybe I just don't need to do that. Maybe I don't care about that is a really important gift to give yourself because otherwise we just sort of walk around with this perpetual feeling of being behind, and yeah. Yeah. it's not going to get you out of that entirely, but it can take some weight off your shoulder if you realize like you know I haven't done that for a year. I'm not going to do it. It's going on. You know I'm. I'm I'm putting it in the archives, and you can you can always revisit it later if you want to. Oh yeah, but. yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about the like the archive list, or just you know the the whatever list you want to call it. It's like maybe maybe I'll come back to it someday. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then I think I think my last tool, uh, which I only recognized, it was sort of something I fell on on accident, but uh, but it's really been beneficial. My last tool is giving myself. Um, Brainless activities where I can daydream. Um, showering, washing dishes, taking walks with the dog where I don't have my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, showering and washing dishes are particularly good because I can't bring my phone. I can bring my phone on a walk with the dog and it kind of defeats the purpose. But um, <laughs> anything where I'm not tapped into everything going on and just let my mind wander for a second, there have been so many times where I popped out of the shower and run to my notepad and written down three ideas that I had that I would, I don't believe I would have had, or I would have had such clarity if I was constantly in work grinding mode. You just have to like give your brain permission to idle, to let things that have been bobbling around in their surface. I mean, also I think it's healthy, but you know, healthy or not, our brains just, they need some idle time. They can't keep right grinding 24-7. As, as regular listeners know, um, but I, I have chickens, and I'll just go spend like five minutes with the chickens. Ten yeah. minutes with the chickens, you know, because uh, I, I think I, I said it was surprising me, like, chickens are the ultimate uh, expression of living in the moment. Like, yeah, no, they're not stressed about where's tomorrow's feed going to come from. Well, they know it's going to be me, but anyway, they, they don't, they aren't, you know, they, they aren't wrestling with it. They just exist in the moment. And if that moment happens to have mealworms, great. And if it doesn't, then it's my job to bring the mealworms, apparently. But, uh, um, right. you know, you just, you just yeah, finding that spot where you can just exist sort of in that moment, let everything percolate or whatever in the background without stressing over it is, is really important. Yeah, I think it's really important. It also helps me sleep better, frankly. Because if I don't do it during the day, I'll do it at night. And then I don't need and... dreams. I have them. They're not great. I don't love them. I don't want more of them. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's time to take at least, you know, like a weekend away or something if I'm having a work dream, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's really hard to make sure that I, I balance it out so I don't get a work dream. I have had them with prior jobs many years in the past, but, um, you know, it, it was like that. It was like the first time or second time it happened, there was like this recognition, you know, maybe, just maybe you need to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, are there any other systems and habits that are really important? 
Um, I think for me, I think I've, I think I've probably talked about a lot of my system habits, but I think mm-hmm. that there's, you know, a few things that I, 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 in terms of habits that I really try to try to be uh, mindful of, which, or I try to practice, which is um, recognizing, uh, recognizing when I'm really in a panic state and because I feel overwhelmed and giving myself the opportunity to say, okay, I feel like I need to do too many things. Maybe that's time to start writing down a list of them. And then as soon as I get to like the fourth or fifth item, I realize like, oh, it was usually only like three items that were really urgent and stressing me out. And the rest of these are just other things my brain was firing at me. as like, well, you need to do this too. And I'm like, well, yeah, I need to do this, but that's, this isn't urgent. I, I right, probably right. don't actually have, because I can very easily get to a point where I feel like, oh, I've got a hundred important, th- urgent things to do. And it's, it's really not. So I try, I try to give myself, like, recognize when I hit that panic state and slow it down a little bit. Um, conversely, when I when I am in, in a good state, which is most of the time, um, I'm a big fan of working in sprints. You know, I'll tell myself, okay, for the next hour, I'm going to get as much of X, Y, and Z work done as I can. I don't care how I distribute that. I might do a lot of X, not very much Y or Z. I might do even the distributing. I might bounce around. Um, I know that you cannot, as a human being, multitask. You always are just changing from one task to the other, but I, I try it. You know, I will be uploading a file somewhere and let the upload go. Well, I have something else. And as long as I'm not perpetually in that state, giving myself an hour of dedicated, not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on these three things. I'm not going to check my email. I'm not going to check Twitter. I'm just going to grind through these things. Um, it, 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 it's, it's kind of amazing how much you can get done. Oh, yeah. Yourself get distracted by the things. And I kind of I find that I don't work as well if I'm just doing a single thing, because like if I'm writing documentation, for instance, I'll just hit a point where I'm like, I don't know how to say this. And so I really like to then go, cool, I'm going to move over to some other kind of work. But I'll I'll have a few things that I'm cycling between. And it really uh, it's just it's I curse myself that I don't do it more, honestly, because it's really incredibly productive. And when you're done with it, you feel really genuinely good about going, cool, I'm going to go take a break now. Like I gave myself that hour, that 10 minutes, that two hours, that whatever your sprint length is. Yeah. I did everything I could. That's good enough for now. I can come back to it. Yeah. Um, uh, are you familiar with the Pomodoro technique, which is basically exactly what you described, except this is a, a tomato shaped timer is the, is the traditional thing. No, I'm not. Well, tell me about it. Yeah. So the Pomodoro technique, it was invented by an Italian guy and he, and time is, uh, is separated into Pomos, which is, Tomato in Italian, uh, and yes. he called it this because the timer he was using it was a little tomato-shaped kitchen timer. Nice. And what he would do is he'd set it for twenty-five minutes, and then he would do his tasks or whatever, and then he would it would be a five-minute break. And people, I mean, it's it's actually pretty popular, and you'll but yeah, work sprint or Pomodoro, they're they're basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, so you can find some really neat timers out there that are like for your computer or for your desktop or whatever they're tomato shaped. Um, <laughs> nice, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's great. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then I think you know this is not going to surprise anybody, but a lot of the tools I've described so far are very like internal, like how I keep myself organized. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I tend to try and do these weekly check-ins with all the talent that I'm working with, as well as weekly meetings with uh, basically stand-ups with uh, my peers 
to make mm-hmm. sure that it's partially an accountability for myself and accountability for them to sort of check in on things, but it's also the opportunity to sort of unpack some str- some things that we've been oh. challenged, challenged with. So I really loathe meeting for meeting's sake. I, I feel like there's so many meetings that could have been an email, oh, but yeah. to me, the check-in, how's things going email uh, meeting is actually mm-hmm. really valuable because so often you're, you're sort of struggling with something and you haven't figured out how to articulate what's wrong and someone asks you and then you say it and it suddenly makes sense. Even though they didn't really do anything except for just listen, um, maybe they give you some insight, but more often than not, I feel like just being able to talk through something with somebody often helps you go, oh, now I know what I need to do. Okay, great. And you're like, and, and you could just sort of nod along with somebody go, oh yeah, cool, awesome, you figured it out. Or maybe you have an idea, but it, you're not there to solve their issues, but you just sort of give them, get there to be a sounding board. And so I meet with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I meet with a lot of my coworkers on a, on a regular basis just to, Check in just to see what needs to get unstuck, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that I I have a standing one on one with one of my uh, with one of my coworkers. We're we're essentially peers, and it's really valuable because we can just sit there and like let it unwind at each other, as it were. Yeah. Right. Not not like a one on one with my manager, where he certainly has a particular set of things that we kind of need to discuss and we kind of mm-hmm. need to keep track of. And okay, if we get sidetracked over the latest D&D thing, okay, that's cool, but um, we're both long-time players. Not not in the same campaign, but yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, it's, but it's one of those things where um, you know, you keeping those lines of communication actually helps a lot later on if, like, you hit a road bump or if you know, oh, I don't know, suddenly I need someone to cover for me because I have to go drive somewhere to rescue my wife because her car broke down, right? Absolutely, yeah. Well, and I, I had a uh, I had a prolific writer that was working for us at one point who was very bad about hitting his deadlines. Uh, lots of people are bad about hitting their deadlines. My experience is that uh, game design takes exactly as long as game design takes. That is the precise unit of measurement. It will be accurate every single time. Um, <laughs> And uh, so it's one of those things that you can put a schedule around if you like, uh, if, if, you, if you feel like that uh, deluding yourself. But, uh, but otherwise, the best you can do is just kind of stay in touch and try and keep progress moving, whether that's by playtesting, whether it's by giving my feedback, whether that's by uh, bringing in other consultants to, to help with uh, system development. There's lots of ways to do it, mm-hmm. but uh, in the end, you're really not going to get someone to design a game faster than they're going to. And I had a, a game designer who was, you know, back when I thought I could schedule these things, um, who, who missed a lot of his deadlines. But when I talked to him after the project was done, he said, no, I, I really liked getting checkups for you because I didn't feel like I was in trouble with the checkup. You checked up on me every week. So I knew this was the norm. It didn't come out of nowhere. If I hadn't heard from you in months and suddenly you were like, Hey, where's the game? Where's the game? It would have felt like my boss is jumping down the rope. But because we talk every week, uh, I knew this was the, the norm. It wasn't, it wasn't indicative that I was you know, in trouble or doing anything wrong. And I think that I, I really feel strongly about keeping this sort of, like you said, the lines of communication open so that when something does kind of go wrong, it doesn't feel like this is the first time you're talking to someone. 
you know, that you've been talking them through, you know, through thick and thin, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, what does a typical day look like? Like, how do you decide what actually happens first from your list or, or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, a typical day and what I and how I prioritize may not be the same answer. I'm going to answer no, the second fair. one. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I uh, I'm a big fan of looking at tasks and finding which ones can be done in two minutes or less. I will often say I need to email so and so. I need to send a payment out for this and that and the other. And it's pretty usually pretty easy for you to tell. Can I do this in two minutes? If I can do it in two minutes, I just do it. I try to knock all of the the David Allen method. What's that? David Allen's getting things done. If you can do it in two minutes, do it. Yeah, exactly. It is very much the David Allen method, and that that's that that's that's in fact where it came from. Uh, Thank you for reminding me of the source. Um, But uh, because that I find unclutters my my day considerably, and it and I continue to practice that even to my own chagrin. Sometimes I'm in the middle of something. And I realize I shouldn't take a break, but if I do and I can finish in two minutes, then uh, I will have that much less uh, to, to think about to remember on my shoulders. So I, I'm a big fan of knocking out those easy ones. And then, you know, I, I think, you know, you sort of alluded to it, the, the urgent and emerg- urgent and uh, important, uh, important but not urgent, urgent but not important, not important or not urgent. I mean, that is more or less the... You know, I look at are there are there are there fires that need to be put out? Are there emergencies that are that are that are urgent and important? Um, and then a lot of times my next sort of once I've knocked out that first quadrant, right? Like the yeah. we can't really move on before doing these things. A lot of times I look at what is the thing I want to do or what is the thing that I know I can do. I know I have all the tools that I need to do it. Like I know the process I need to go through to, to complete it. Um, for instance, if, if you like right now, I'm writing a bunch of training documentation for the Big Bad Con volunteer positions. And it's hard work because it's not something I've ever done before. We've written documentation on training for in-person events, but, mm-hmm. but I've never written documentation on how to be a Twitch moderator. And I've got a lot of su- support from the staff that are, that have, we've met several times talking about the things that we need, that need to go into the training document. And, uh, and I've done, you know, plenty of research on it. Um, but it's one of those things where I know I don't know how to do it, uh, it, it right off the top of my head. Versus, uh, I also had to write a training document for how to produce a stream. I've done that multiple times. I really only had to tailor it for, I've written documentation on it multiple times. I really had to only had to tailor it for the particular use of Big Bad Online. And that was something I was like, I'm going to crank that out because it gives me confidence that I can do it. It gives me momentum moving forward. It gives me some text that I can probably copy paste because I'm sure at least a little bit of this training doc is gonna apply universally. So I can probably take the intro part and maybe a few other sections and reuse those. And that all works towards helping me when I get to that unknown state, uh, have a few pieces. Cause I think we really work from the known to the unknown. And so when you take something that's entirely unknown, it really can be daunting to try and tackle it. And that's, that, that dauntingness can just stall me in my tracks. So I try to nibble away at it by doing things I know um, t- till eventually it becomes a little bit more approachable. And then, you know, 
you got to dive in. You got to do that hard work to make the ugly draft that doesn't look good or make any sense that you have to revise or throw away and start over. But it at least isn't completely trash. At least at least you've given yourself a few tools. So uh, yeah, I re- I really like doing things that I like doing. Go figure. Like, like it's it, it, it really does uh, help me, you know, get in the mood for doing things I don't want to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I hit a thing where um, we're doing a large bit of infrastructure upgrades, and there's a whole lot of new that's involved here, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of um, the way we've been doing it, the old way of doing it would involve a lot of, you know, piping or, or whatever, and I'm just like, I know what the end state is supposed to be. I have a great tool for converting data files via templates into end states. I think I'm going to combine these two things, right? I mean, <laughs> nice. yeah, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I have two knowns and an unknown in the middle, right? And trying to, going from the known through the, from one known through the unknown to another known is, is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really rewarding when, and it's funny to me because, like, I started streaming as just a kind of an aside. Like, I started streaming to uh, I, I host a an actual play podcast or actual play stream called Actual Play uh, because I love I love doing things that are really obvious. Like, I name my podcast about narrative control, narrative control. Uh, you know, I, I just, I always, I'm always amazed that no one grabs these things. I'm like, surely someone's grabbed actual play. Nope, it was out there. So um, I started streaming a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and then when pandemic hit and my work, Cal Performances, we couldn't put performances on in our hall, and we started needing to stream them. It was like, oh yeah, I've done that. You know, I, I'm familiar, and it, the, the knowledge I had from just my recreational streaming really fed into Cal and then that got really refined in that process because I was doing it professionally and it sort of came back out. And it just, I, I feel like no matter what you do in life, uh, having a, a really sort of like open mind about what the skill sets that you're going to learn is just always beneficial because oh, yeah. you'll, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll come at you in the weirdest ways in the most unpredictable ways. And it's so great when you're just like, Oh yeah, I know a little bit of that. And I've, I've often been the person that like knew a little bit of that and it's, it's really benefited me. I, I still look back at the class my company put me through when I was a technical support rep. They put every single one of us through essentially the Carnegie Institute's how to win friends and influence people, customer service mm. training. And I have fallen back on it so much over the last <clears throat> 30 years. Um, you know, it's just been, but it's little things like that. Like you never know where you're going to end up reusing or reusing something like that. Yeah. You know. Oh. So, um, highly recommended, by the way, if you've never had any customer service training. It's actually a really good course, even if the book itself is very dated. Hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Con- concepts are good. Some of the illustrations are very 1920s and 30s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, shoot me a link after this. I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Which brings me to, uh, we didn't talk about your routine. Um, oh, my routine. My routine yeah, has changed yeah. a little bit because yeah. um, I just moved and I now have an office uh, below the house in sort of the basement level. 
uh, as opposed to my office being right next to just a room in the house. And it has actually really helped me to differentiate the, the physical space has really helped me differentiate. And this is not, this is a, a luxury. It's a privilege. I don't, I don't expect everybody, everybody can have to have this, but, um, for me, I wake up in the morning, uh, used to be a 5am to work out, uh, that in the pandemic changed to now be seven because I don't go to the gym anymore. I work out at home and I am okay not getting ready till, till eight, but, but it's, you know, wake up, wake up, work out, walk the pup, uh, make breakfast, feed the, feed the pup, and then sit and enjoy my tea while I kind of ruminate on the day. I look at my calendar. I, uh, I check and see if there's anything in my inbox that is on fire. Think a little bit about what is going on. And I usually start my day in, you know, really start my day actively at nine. It used to be at eight. Uh, so even though I'm waking up two hours later, I'm still sort of getting started only an hour later than that. And because I work from home and I'm in a salaried position, it doesn't really matter what time, what time yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I do that. But uh, and then the day is, uh, my puppy really is beneficial because he just needs to be walked over so often. And so the day is often, you know, sitting in this chair, literally just grinding through emails, service tickets, etc. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but interrupted by, interrupted occasionally by walks. Stop at five o'clock, have dinner, usually come back to work for a couple hours and then call it a call it a day at eight o'clock um, and either uh, if I'm streaming a game or playing a game, then uh, you know, streaming, streaming that night or otherwise that is the, okay, it's 8 PM. I'm calling it. Uh, I will, you know, go and, 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 and spend some actual quality time with, with my lovely wife, Karen and, <laughs> and, and relax and unwind. So I'm, I'm usually, mm-hmm actively working from about nine till from 9am till 8pm. That's, that's my typical, yeah. um, which is a lot, but I also have three jobs. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's not thing. It's, it's not so bad. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I, I have one day a week that has no meetings. Oh, so good. I know. And it's on Friday. The problem is that's the day I can get into that super focused problem solving thing. That's the day I end up working till 8pm. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, and then it's like, but that's a great way, like, to kick off my weekend. It's like I've just had this really big, deep work session, got some really good stuff done, and now I can just ignore it for two days. Yeah, and, no, it's unless nice. I'm on call. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of carving out time. In fact, there's plenty of time I carve out in my uh, because uh, at Cal, my calendar is available to everybody, so people can schedule meetings anytime they want. So I am, I'm a big advocate of blocking it. If, if you are in that situation where someone else can schedule your time, you need absolutely need to block out uh, the time of days that you have important tasks. Like for, for me, right before I'm going to go to dinner, uh, I will, I almost always block out four to five because a around four thirty is typically when I'm going to go start turning on the oven and getting things, right, getting things right. ready. But B, that's the time I really need to be like winding things down for the day. Because even though I'm going to probably work till eight o'clock at night, I don't want to be on that. Th- those last few hours after dinner are often project time, not 
interrupt email right. time. And so I don't want to be just grind in meetings all the way to the very end. I need to give myself that decompression time. So I will often block out my four to five hours. Like this is when I'm winding down. And uh, yeah, 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 blocking time out for yourself. Oh, it's such a good gift to give yourself. So oh, it's yeah. so yeah. And I, I think you noticed with the scheduling tool I use, I actually have a special calendar of this is my. It, it has two main blocks: my downtime, which is basically 10 p.m. to uh, 7 a.m. the following morning, and my yeah. I have a real job time, which is roughly 9 a.m. to um, about 5 or 6 p.m. Sure. Right? And that way, when because other people kind of can control that when they can submit interviews like this one, and yes. um, I, and so it's really important for me to make sure that I can block out those times so that it's like, you know, occasionally I have somebody from Australia and they're like, yeah, let's do it at noon my time, and I'm like, I really rather not. <laughs> kind of late. But, you know, um, time zones are tough. Time, yeah, if that's the only time you've got available, we'll make it work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and time zones are hard. Oh, time zones are so hard. Uh, the company I work for, we're global, so there's always that negotiation of, okay, when do I schedule a meeting, and do I need to schedule two, one for the European folks and one for Asia, or is there enough overlap somewhere in there? Yeah, no, right. it's, it's exciting. Exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Evil Hat is... Mm -hmm. uh, Spread across the U.S., so we have a three-hour time gap, which is pretty manageable. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I game with a lot of folks in the Philippines, and it's great because my night is their morning, and so you know we can we can make it work. Uh, but oh, yeah, it, but man, when I was gaming with folks in Germany, oh, there was just no good time. There was just never yeah. a good time. It was yeah. really really tough. All right. Um... Time for the three fun questions. I mean, I'm putting them in air quotes fun because I enjoy them. I think a lot of people enjoy the answers, but we'll, we'll see how fun you think they are when we get through them. <laughs> sure. Uh, what is the best advice you have been given uh, or maybe and um, would give somebody the best advice you'd give somebody else? So I appreciate you sending this question over because I really had to think on it a bit. Um, <laughs> And, and the and the answer is I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you some really good advice I got, and I hope I hope I hope this qualifies. I was in a project management course, mm -hmm. uh, one of the few in-person PMP courses. At one point, I was really excited about getting the PMP certification, and realized, uh, like most certifications, it didn't actually wasn't actually gonna benefit for me. But I took a number of the courses, and they 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 laid out the the good fast cheat model, right? The yeah. good fast cheat triangle. And they said, you know, and, and they said, you know, they'll say you can only have two. And the project managers looked at me as like, do you know any way in which you can control both two, both two of any of those things? Like, do you know any way that you can make sure that your project is both fast and cheap? Because at some point, if it's running slow, you're probably going to have to put more money into it. Or, you know, it's like, it, like, like. And so essentially, the, what this all boiled down to, he said it more artistic, more artfully than I am, is that <laughs> good, fast, cheap, pick one. You really only get one. Um, you, can, you can say, like, I'm going to prioritize these two. But at the end of the day, you can, you can, 
if you want to lock one down, if you want to say, I'm going to pick a good product, you cannot guarantee that it will either be fast or cheap. If you want to make a, a cheap product, you cannot guarantee that it will be either uh, <laughs> fast or good. Like you just, there's, there's things outside of your control and recognizing what you want to control is so, so important because it changes. It doesn't always have to be the same. I would like to err on the side of good. I like to err on the side of good and not worry about something being fast or cheap. That's why we don't, with Evil Hat, we don't release our timelines. We don't tell people this game is going to come out now. I get project status updates on the website every week. Every Wednesday, I go in and update how things are going. I say, we're in editing, we're in proofing, but I never say the game is coming out then until literally it's at the printer and we have a print date that is very reliable. And I can say, cool, three months it's going to be out. But with Kickstarter, we have to do a little bit of that, but that's also why when we run Kickstarters, we, what we call them is kick finishers, because we don't kickstart a game until the game is fully designed, edited, in layout, and the only thing we need to do is get art and print. And art and print are very knowable durations for us. Yeah, I, I, I was very, it felt like uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians was just like, all right, the Kickstarter's over, and here are your PDFs. Like, it, it felt really fast, and it's because you planned ahead with the, no, we're not kickstarting it until we're at a stage where we can give a known because Kickstarter's really particular about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, we, we were with the start of the Kickstarter, we were basically three months out with art. So by the end of the Kickstarter, we were only two months out. Now the art ran a little behind, but it was so small that no one noticed. And yeah, like you said, it was pretty much, you know, it was just a few months after we closed that we were able to send the first PDFs out. And, you know, less than a year after we closed before the books were in people's hands. So I was, uh, you know, that, that's something that we're very intentional about. A lot of folks want to, like, go to Kickstarter the moment they have a good idea. Uh, the moment they start working on something, and I, I really err say, you know, I know you want that. I know you want those endorphins of all those backers being like, yeah, we're excited. But I honestly... Think you have well such a better experience if you can deliver, and and the way you're going to do that is if you're if you're in the finishing touches when mm-hmm. you when you go and also frankly if you know you know if you're a brand new uh, publisher there's no way you're going to know all the details you really have to do it a few times before you know like what what's involved so I have a lot of understanding and sympathy I, I expect my Kickstarter rewards to arrive whenever they arrive I yeah, almost yeah. never look at the dates. But um, but the more you do it, the more you really can get a sense of like, okay, I know how long it takes to print. I know how long it takes to ship. I know how long it takes to get art. And uh, those are controllable. But when you're in that design phase, when you're in that like starting a project, you really just have to decide, do I want to run crank this out? It might be good, but I can't control for that. It might be cheap, but I can't control for that. Um, or do I want to do this really minimal budget? It might take a long time. Quality might not be there. Or do I want to just make this great? It might be expensive. It might take a long time. But that's 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 my goal. Um, yeah, I, and I know it seems it seems trite, but it's really proven to be true for me many times. Yeah, a, a friend of ours that we see um, uh, on the um, sci-fi fantasy furry con circuit is um, uh, Norman Rafferty from Sanguine Games, mm. and um, I mean. He has mastered that. This is the exact point when a book is ready to go out to the Kickstarter because this is roughly how long it will take. He's got his printing, you know, like he's run so many really successful Kickstarters, especially for Iron Claw supplements. That's their big game is Iron Claw. Um, 
Awesome. Yeah, um, but a lot of it is, yes, no, the book is written. It's just we need the money to pay the artists and to do the printing. Yeah. Right? You know, we're, we're at that point, so it's very easy to control the timing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really, really tempting to... Who want to get in early, but if you, but but honestly, all the work before art and print tends to be. I mean, I, I don't want to under, I don't want to underestimate the the effort and the like cost of living to make a game, you know, to, oh, to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, survive yeah. in the world. But the, you know, especially if you're designing yourself, uh, if you're self publishing, all those initial costs are going to be really minimal compared to your art and your printing and your shipping. Those are those are going to be huge. And so if you don't need the money till then, don't ask for it till then. Because uh, it, it really uh, prevents you from being in a situation where you're constantly trying to, you know, constantly apologizing to your backers for, you know, another delay, which is, happens, right? People yeah, understand, no. but it's it's a lot of work to, to be behind the ball all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've seen projects go really well. And then I've seen, I've got, there's one I backed that maybe this year, but it was things like their printer you know, went out of business in the middle of things, and then their shipment got derailed getting from China to America, that sort of thing. You know, like, things completely out of your control. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. All right, are you ready for the typically easy but sad question? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, I don't remember this one. Yeah, hit me, hit me. All right, all right. Um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? Orally? No, that's, 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 that's <laughs> you wouldn't be the first person or the last. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there, there are two different things for me. So missing a goal is, is totally fine. Uh, I, I tend to be extremely, um, I tend to be extremely flexible when it comes to, hey, we're going to release this now. It doesn't happen. Something was run, run late. Um, and I really uh, I really try to be um, uh, very opportunistic in the sense of like, cool, when's, when's the next window when this is going to make sense? So if, if we were going to kickstart something in September and you know, or in October and it gets pushed back, we're like, eh, Kickstarter's in 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 November and Feb in December are, are, are duds. You know, it's not what yeah, people yeah. want to be buying gifts and Kickstarter is going to materialize soon enough. It's not a great, uh, that fit. So I'm just like, cool, let's get this on the slate for January, um, or February. It's, it's really, and you know, and that, that's a, that's a distinct privilege of being able to like say that I'm financially stable enough that that isn't an evil hat is financially stable enough that I don't need to chase that immediately. Right. But I look at a lot of delays and missed goals as like, we made our best estimate and now we know better for next time. You know, um, it's, it's really, I try really not to take it personally. Uh, and I think it's, I look at it as the like, what? Cool, that didn't work. What's the next step? Rather than that didn't work, mm -hmm. and therefore, I you know I I am a failure, or this project is a failure, or or we're lost. Um, right, right, right. And I, and I think you know sometimes I'm working with folks who haven't done this before, and they kind of are surprised by it. And so I try to be very encouraging and saying you know like this is totally normal. This happens all the time. It's happened many times. 
the project uh, before. It'll keep happening. Uh, but yeah, I, I think missing a goal, no big deal. Abject failure. I'll give you a <laughs> example of failure. Um, we, I one of the early projects I worked on was War of Ashes: Fate of Egyptus, which uh, Egyptus, which was uh, written by Sophie Lagasse, dear friend of mine, who is an amazing writer, game designer, um, and it was the it was is one of the only projects where all of the f talent on it were all physically in one place because Evil Hat is usually spread out all over. But this was the mm -hmm. West Coast design team, and <laughs> the notion was that the IP holder was going to do a lot of releases at the same time, and that they were going to have a big Amazon uh, release, they were going to have a big Steam release. There was a lot of uh, co-marketing that was going to happen, a lot of momentum that was going to happen, and uh, and they shifted directions midway through, and they focused on a product line. The Steam release never happened. Uh, I don't fault them for it. Uh, they were being flexible to the market needs, but we had rushed this game to try and match up with their release schedule. And uh, I still to this day am sore about the fact that we had to mulch copies of that game because we oh. didn't kickstart it. We oh. didn't really ramp up to it because we felt, we thought the plan was it was gonna fall into a larger marketing fold uh, that was sort of bigger than us. And when it didn't, we didn't have a backup plan. So we sort of like, after doing all this furious work and all this, putting all this into it and being so proud of the game, honestly, it just sort of like flopped over the finish line. It was done, it was printed, but no one knew about it. No one, well, not no one, very few people knew about it. Right, right. And it was really, I wouldn't say it was devastating. I mean, we moved on, but it was it, it was one of those things that we looked at, and it was like never again, you know. I mean, and I, I feel like the best thing I take away from that is saying, um, you know, not not to be pessimistic or nihilistic, but like you really need to know that you've got a plan. You know, you really need to have a plan for for a release, and uh, and, and and if you think someone else is going to carry it. Um, you know, I, I've seen this with plenty of IPs, honestly. Like I've looked at, you know, the 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 uh, Marvel Marvel role playing game, which is a fantastic game, but oh, Marvel yeah, yeah, yeah. pulled the IP on it, uh, I presume, because it wasn't hitting the numbers that they were expecting, and now it's gone. And it's just this like, what, what happened to that great game? It was so it was it was like the one of the best Cortex games of of its time. It was so well developed and and so well suited, and I just it was it was a tragedy. But it was one of those things like, you, you know, you got to know what you can control and what you can't. And, and I think that in the case of real failures that we've had uh, like that, it's, uh, you know, they stick. I think they stick around as lessons for a long time. And the sting of it is largely gone now. The day we mulched it was hard, but the sting of it is largely gone now. But I still it's, it's one of those things where we're like, not gonna do that again. <laughs> we were very keenly aware, um, and uh, yeah, I, I used to when I owned a computer store a long time ago. I had a a, a client who uh, did a lot of heavy equipment work, and he had backhoes and caterpillars and all these things. And these were really expensive machines. And when one would break, he'd be like, 
all right, buy another one. And I was like, that's a $60,000 machine, Bill. And he's like, yeah, I'll get it fixed. But right now, keeping, being able to continue to do the work we need to do is more important than me prying over the fact that it, it's broke. So I'm going to get another one now so I can keep working. We'll fix the other one, and then we'll have a backup. And next time when this happens, we'll say, pull out the second one. Or next time it happens, we'll be able to do bigger jobs. But he just sort of like took his licks and went, that's what you got to do. You got to keep on moving. And I really, have, I really admired that like ability to just go, well, yeah, that's really unfortunate. This, this, this stunk, but, uh, the only way to do, the only way to go is move forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really, uh, being able to get your ego out of the way is really important. Mm -hmm. Like not making it about you just going, well, this is what we have to do to keep, keep yeah. moving forward is, is, uh, is, is, is a really important step. All right. On the other side of the of the easy but sad is the difficult but happy question. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and that is, and and I say this because most people have difficulty doing this. Yeah. Do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? Not enough. Not enough. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that we built into the Thirsty Sword Lesbians Kickstarter was a stretch goal for April to take a blacksmithing class to make her own sword. That was something where we're like, we are building this in to our cost structure that you're going to take a blacksmithing class and make a sword. Uh, it's it's from the Crucible in Oakland, and I've gone there, and I've, I've not made a sword, but I have made a knife. Uh, it's a really cool class. And, and that was one of those things where we're like, we're going to lock this in. And other times there have definitely been this game got released at Gen Con. And so at Gen Con, we're all going to meet up because we're a satellite company. You know, we, we, mm -hmm. there's no office, there's no headquarters. Uh, right. And we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to meet up and we're going to have a, a really great dinner and we're going to just celebrate this work. And we're not going to talk about what is next on this, on the plate, but just really really enjoy uh, what we've done. And with Big Bad, because it's an in-person convention, mm -hmm. uh, the con ends Sunday in the afternoon, and usually people will stay over an extra night. And that is really, we've done definitely like Ranger, which is our, our volunteers, you know, like Ranger dinners and events and things like that. But really it's the time afterward. It's sort of the unstructured time after where we're not under the gun to do something that I get oh, yeah. to meet up with all of the, other uh, coordinators and ranger captains and rangers and just share a drink, share a meal, mm -hmm. have some time alone. So there are many ways in which I do it, but it's, but it's one of those things where if you don't plan for it, it's very likely not to happen. And I highly recommend building yourself uh, a launch party, a release party. Uh, uh, we did it. Celebration, whether that's on Zoom or in person or whatever the case may be, because yeah, you're. I, I mean, the implicit question that you're, the, the 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 implicit thing that you're positing is that we don't give ourselves time for it, and I think I think we don't. I think I think we're we're so busy with like what's the next thing that we often forget to uh, to celebrate our successes. But uh, it is it is really worth it because. Um, you want everyone that you work with to like know you're human and to 
remind them that you know they're human too. And we do that by by spending time together and by yeah uh, and by celebrating each other and not just the thing we did. No, absolutely, absolutely. That's everything. Well, okay, there is technically one last question, but it's not really the official or that difficult. And and that is, um, and I warned you about this one for sure. Um, we, while we have a Patreon and we have, you know, a Kofi and all that stuff, uh, my wife and I for the show and things like that, we actually don't need it. And is there a charity you would like our listeners to give to instead? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Um... There's two charities. Sorry, I'm I'm cheating and and giving nope. and this to the two. But the the two charities that are are are, are particularly meaningful to me. Um, there's a lot a lot of really wonderful good causes out there. Uh, are the Trans Legal Defense and Education Fund and uh, Black Lives Matter. And those are the two that my actual plays money goes towards and that I I uh, donate towards personally. And you are listening to this. Um, and you're looking at where you want to spend your philanthropic dollars, uh, those organizations are both doing an immense amount of good. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd love, I'd love it if, if someone could, could drop, drop them a, a dime. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I know we have several, several uh, listeners who are, are involved with both, organizations or movements so that's fantastic. organization or movement yeah so um cool i love it when we're, we're able to support that where do we find you online oh man well the easiest thing <laughs> is just look for my name nitner is an austrian and ugly name that there's literally only one other person in the u.s that has at least that i know of um <laughs> there's a jürgen nitner somewhere in minnesota i think but uh so sean nitner is pretty much going to find me in all platforms um but to be more specific i'm sean at twitter you can go if you want to find out about big bad con that's big bad con on twitter or bigbadcon.com. uh site. <laughs> uh evil hat is evilhat.com or evil hat official on twitter cal performances is calperformances.org or cal performances as at, at cal performances on twitter uh i am no longer on facebook i've been off facebook for a couple of years so sorry you can't you can't find me there I think I have an Instagram account, but I never use it. Um, I stream on Actual Play, which is twitch.tv slash actual play. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. And my email is seannittner at gmail. If you want to email me. I, uh, email is my, is my primary means of communication. I do not keep up with a ton of Slack channels or discords. I'm an email guy. Uh, I realize that is very old school. Uh, this day and age, but it you is. No, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one. At least for me, you're preaching to the choir. Um, you know, uh, I I have to keep up with Slack for work work, but you know, a lot of it's just like, yeah, I'll drop into a Discord chat every so often. I'll drop into this. It's like if it isn't email or maybe a direct message in Twitter, those are my two. Then you're just gonna miss me. So I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Cool. Thank you cool. so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having yeah, me on. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited uh, for those of you at home. I'm really excited about going to Big Bad Con in a couple weeks. Um, hopefully by the time this is hitting the internets, uh, I will have been gushing about how awesome it was. We have a line of panels that are just yeah. phenomenal. 
We're going to have a bunch of Discord hangout rooms for people to uh, just generally chat. But one of the things I'm also sort of like very proud of is, or very excited about rather, hopefully I'll be proud of it, is that after each panel, we're going to open up a post-panel chat room. So if you've just watched the panel about um, uh, professional success for POCs uh, and, and you, you have all these thoughts and ideas that you weren't able to ask during the panel itself, immediately following it, there'll be a Discord channel open up just for that purpose where you can get together with the other attendees and maybe the panelists if they decide to show it's optional for them but uh you can get to the other people who have just been thinking about the same topics as you have to discuss those ideas to so network that, that, basically that crowd just outside the panel room that exactly. you get after every panel yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah yeah and so i'm really really thrilled about that um, we're doing a lot of cool things in terms of trying to make it so that when you arrive, there's a greeter there, there's a human being like welcoming you. You're not just in the sea of Discord channels. Uh, it's, it's, we'll, we'll we're going to try and, and, uh, and, and add as much of the big bad con touch as we can to an online experience, you know? And yeah, yeah. hopefully by the time this is out, we'll have either succeeded gloriously, failed horribly, or something in the middle. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much. And uh, and for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. First, I want to say thank you to Sean for putting on such an amazing con. It was just incredible. Big Bad Con Online was really well done. Second, I want to thank Sean for taking time out of his very busy schedule and sitting down to talk to us before the event. Um, I, I know that it took a little doing and it was great. Uh, and I hope you all had as much fun listening to that as I had, you know, having it. Um, and like I said, I'm looking forward to going to Big Bad Con next year uh, in person because everyone I've talked to, and hey, I have some people um, who are project and product production managers f that were on panels at Big Bad Con. I've got them coming up in shows in towards the end of December and January. It's really, it's really good stuff, and I can't wait to share it with you all. All right, so this week we have a word. Word! Word. Now, in honor of Evil Hat's Thirsty Sword Lesbians, and I just got the last of the um, backer, you know, stretch goal rewards, and this is such a really, well put together game. Is it approved by actual sword lesbians? Uh, yes. Okay. Several of them. Yes. All right. Um, as long uh, I, I do not wish to wish to culturally appropriate sword lesbianism, but <laughs> all right. No, no, no. It's it's very. And uh, I, I've I've had a chance to talk to some of the designers and tell them how wonderful I feel 
the system and the design on the game is, and uh, I'm just kind of looking for an opportunity to actually play. Um, so, yeah, um, in honor of that, our word this week is sword lesbian, because I didn't want to add thirsty in there, and I'd already used sword once in the past. So there you go. All one word, sword lesbian. And what can you do with that word? You can go online to productivityalchemy.com. You can go to the badge codes. You can enter sword lesbian, and you will find out all about badge codes, how you use them, what they're for, why you like them, and uh, all kinds of neat stuff that we won't like reiterate here. Right. The other thing you'll find there is a support link. Yes, that is how you can give us money. Please don't. Please don't. We're good. We're, we're doing we're great. great. Yeah. You know, all is uh, we're we're you guys came out fabulously for the last yes. book, Paladin's Grace. It was amazing pre-orders. I yeah, we're we're good. So, uh, give money to someone who might need money. And what is our charity this week? Uh, so Sean has asked that we give, uh, that that we support. Uh, the Trans Legal Defense and Education Fund this week, which pretty much says it all right there in the title. Um, and I really, I love to hear uh, all of our guests and uh, even some of our listeners uh, supporting these very important trans causes. Um, and, uh, it, you know, the Legal Defense and Education Fund does more than just um, like do an initial help. They're also, you know, making sure people understand the issues. And, uh, well, frankly, it's right there in the name, education. Um, the other thing is if you have a local chapter of Black Lives Matter or a supporting organization, give them money. Yes. And if all of that is not working, your local food bank. Always, always yes. your local food bank. Particularly, uh, people give a lot in the holidays, yes. if you are supporting your food bank, make sure it's stuff they want. They don't want cans of pumpkin pie filling and French cut green beans. Right. G honestly, give them money. Give them money. It's Storage is a huge issue. They can buy in bulk and handle things much better with money than you or I can because they have access to wholesalers. So, and yeah. they, they actually have, you know, warehouses where they can... Well, some of them do. Some, some of, of them, them do, yeah. Yes. Some yeah. of them, it's, you know, yeah. somebody's basement. But, uh, yeah, just yeah. they will know what they can do. And, uh, yeah, nobody needs another can of French cut green beans. No. So. Well, I mean, I, I might if I want to make French cut green bean casserole. Well, if you were going to make a green bean casserole, uh, that would take me back to my Midwestern days. And, it, you know, yeah. can, can you yeah. can you crumble up the potato chips and put them on top? Uh, are you sure you don't want the, the French's fried onions? Because that's what we always used. I mean, it's a cultural divide. We'll okay. talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, anyway, folks, um, thank you all for listening. Um, I, uh, you know, hope you've had a good week. And I want you to go out there and do your best to um, stay productive. Absolutely. Including, you know, putting crumbled up potato chips on your casserole. At, at least neither of us are in the corn chip camp. No, no. That, that, then, no. We would, no there no, would be no, a religious no. issue. <laughs>